Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in as we begin 2019. We're going to look at our word for the year, which is manifestation. I hope this podcast and this message specifically speaks to you. I hope you're encouraged, and I hope you do something great for the things of God. Enjoy. love it when God shows up. I don't know where you all were completely today, but God revealed some things in worship today, like His presence. There was a progression today in worship as we went from declaring to experiencing. Amen? Amen. So we're going to not completely start over, but recap. How's that sound? So we're going to continue on week 3.1, manifestation, as we look at the names of God, as I want to work towards setting the stage for two weeks on prayer, maybe one week, maybe eight weeks, who knows. But I want us to, as I lay the foundation for us learning how and developing a prayer skill set, it is a skill set. That through our prayer life, we would get to an understanding of who God is and then begin to see Him in manifestation in our lives, personally and daily. That we wouldn't have to gather together in this setting to experience the manifest or tangible presence of God. That we would find real ways in which He demonstrates His life, His love, and His glory away from the corporate setting. For when we gather corporately... It's just an expression of what's happened personally. But what happens personally would be what we crave and desire. What happens corporately would just be the icing on the top. It wouldn't be the craving experience that we need because we've already had. And can you imagine if we all have been encountering the presence of God away from these four walls in a real way through prayer and encounter that when we gather together what kind of an explosive thing could be happening in this place for those that aren't having that as they come in here and find the reality of who God is. Wouldn't that be something else? Wouldn't that be real? I don't know about you, but I'm longing for a daily touch of God, a daily encounter, a daily conversation with God. And so today as we look at a real conversation, maybe we could put it more simply and say, we're going to look at the hats that God wears. My dad and I have gone back and forth. Aaron, you know this very well with my dad. When you sit down with my dad, oftentimes before we have conversations, it will open with, what hat am I wearing today? Am I wearing the hat dad? The dad hat, sorry. The pastor hat. The police chaplain hat. Am I wearing the mentor hat? The friend hat? And we've gotten to the point where we acknowledge which hat and part of that hat demonstrates the character of the person in which we're sitting in front of for that moment. And so maybe that would help bring a little bit of light to this. But really, until we can understand the hats of God or the characteristics of God, we really can't trust who God is. And why do I know that? Well, Psalm 9 verse 10 says, And those who know your name, they trust in you. O Lord, Let me back up. 
And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. We're in a process together today of seeking God. If you weren't seeking God, I would like to think that you wouldn't be coming back regularly to these services. If you were not seeking God, I would hope that you're not just coming to this to see people, but you're here to see God. And we're in this position together that as we know Him and we know His name, we put our trust in Him. But to know His name isn't just a case of, hi, your name is God, therefore I must trust you. But to know His name in the context of this is to know who He is by the very nature that His name addresses. When you look at the significance of names in the Bible, they very much address who people are. God was all about changing names when He changed the circumstances of people. For example, Abram in the Old Testament to Abraham, and as we look at that significance, if I can jump ahead and get there, Abram meant exalted father, and when God changed his name to Abraham, it meant a father of the multitudes. And if you remember the child song, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. And we do, we'd wind up like, Father Abraham had many sons, right? So we've got this understanding that we are all part of the seed of Abraham if we are grafted into the kingdom of God. Looking at the Jewish culture, they would probably be offended by what I just said because I am not Jewish. But the significance of that name changed. And we have his, his wife, Sarai, to Sarah, or yeah, all throughout the Bible. Look at Peter. I'm trying to not repeat exactly verbatim last week. We've got Peter who went from Simon to Peter, which meant rock. And we've got an exchange between Jesus and Peter when this happened about the revelation that Peter had that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. When you look at Jacob, whose name meant deceitful or grabber of the heel, if you remember, he was born a twin, and he came out holding on to the heel of his brother. And he received a new name after wrestling with God, Israel, which meant one who prevails. Hosea, God changed the name of Hosea's son and daughter to signify his relationship with his people. For example, lo am I, which meant not my people came am I, which meant my people. Or lo, Ramah, not pitied, became Ramah, one who has shown compassion. We've got to understand these names. Daniel 11.32, the latter part of the scripture says this, but the people who know their God shall stand firm. Part of understanding the names of God and who He is is it helps us stand firm and who He is when circumstances around us begin to make us question and doubt even who we are. We, as we know who He is by the virtue of His name, can stand firm on who He is. We also learn from Proverbs 18.10 that the name of the Lord is a strong 
tower. The righteous man can run into that tower for he is safe. The name of the Lord is our refuge. It's a safe place to be. But if we don't understand or know these names, how on earth can we find refuge or safety in them? It's like if we don't read his word, the Bible, how can we know who he is? So shall we break some of these names out together today as we begin to understand the nature, the character, the goodness of who God is. So the first one that I want to look at in diving into the names of God is Jehovah, meaning God, and Rafi or Rofi, which is Jehovah heals. You understand our God is a God who heals. He's not one that wants to have us being sick all the time. We are the healed of God. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, by his stripes we were healed. The very nature of God is that of healing. Everywhere Jesus went, he was healing. But before I get too far ahead, let's look at where this name Jehovah heals comes from. Let's go to Exodus 15. Exodus 15, and we're going to look at verses 20 through through 27. It says, then, a lot of these, none of these are going to be up there, so you're actually going to have to turn there. Exodus, I'll give you time, 15, 23 through 27. It says, then, Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water that Marah, of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he drew it or threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. Right there it says, For I am Jehovah Rophi. I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, and there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So here's some things that we need to understand about Jehovah who heals. Number one is we, man, we need a healer. Do you realize that our bodies were not meant to hold up after the fall? They wear out. Sin entered in, therefore our, our bodies break down. We need a healer. We need a relationship with the healer. We need an encounter with the healer. We need a physical healing and we need a spiritual healing. Healing isn't just about these physical bodies. They may break down. They may get sick. We may deal with all kinds of things from heart conditions to cancers to headaches and broken bones. We also need a spiritual healing. We were broken the day we were born. Man is sinful and must have a healer for his sin. And just as Israel was helpless and completely unable to change these waters, so man is incapable of changing the circumstances of his life without God. But God is Jehovah Rophi, 
He is the one who will heal. Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth renewed is renewed like the eagles. He healed in the Old Testament. How so? Well, when Abraham prayed and God healed Abimelech and his family, this is Genesis 20 and 17. Moses prayed and Jehovah healed Miriam in Numbers 12, 1 through 13. David recognized God's healing power in Psalm 103 that we just read. And then in the New Testament, we recognize that Jesus was the Jehovah Rophi. We've got circumstances where everywhere he went, he touched people and they were healed. He would have compassion on people and they would be healed. Even today, we see manifestations of the healing power of Jesus. We saw it with Daniel and Kayla as they were carrying a child that they wound up almost going completely full term after they should not have. Today, they have a healthy, beautiful baby daughter. So does he heal today? Absolutely. Isaiah 53, I quoted this earlier, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. Matthew 8, 16 and 17 says, That evening they brought to him, Jesus, many who were oppressed by demons, and they cast out the spirit with a word and healed all were sick. This was to fill, fulfill that was spoke by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our disease. So he is God, our healer. He healed in the Old Testament. He healed in the New Testament. And he still heals today. It is his will to heal today. And let me fix something today. Because there's so many times that we come to God and we say, God, if it's your will, would you heal? And I'm going to say, strike the if it's your will from the prayer and just speak healing over people. Declare the healing. We don't even have to ask God to heal. We can go straight up to somebody and declare his healing. Thank God for his healing in your life, in your family, and whomever you come in contact with when you're praying for people, not only physically, but for their spiritual well-being. Whether it's a mental issue, whether it's a physical issue, or whether it's a spiritual issue, God is the healer. And it's for today, and he's for you, and he's got your back. Amen? Another name, Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. I love this one. We need this one. We need this character of God in our lives. Jehovah's provision shall be seen. Every one of us finds ourselves in a situation where we have and we have not. Where we need God to prevail in our lives through Provision, And I love this story. You hear me preach out of this story often. You've heard me preach one or two times in the last year out of Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. And it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Listen, when God calls your name, you've got to respond to him because he's about to do something pretty significant in your life. He's about to not only cause you to give up possibly something, but in doing so, he's going to pour out something very 
dramatic, pretty strong, and more than you are giving up in your life. And we can apply this to our finances. We can apply this to our family. We can apply this to so many things in our lives. But I'm going to tell you, when God asks you to give up, remember that on the other end of the release is an abundant pouring out on your life. But when I said yes to you, I have to give up smoking, or I have to give up drinking, or I have to give up cussing. No, you're not giving up anything. You're surrendering those things to Him so that He can pour out something even greater in your life. You're making room for God to fill something more in your life. So Abraham says, here I am. And then he said, take your son. And I don't know why he does this, but he loves to throw these little words in here and these little circumstances, and these little tiny nuances in here. Your only son. What would you do? He says, not only is your only son, but I'm going to remind you of the nature in which your relationship is, and I'm going to let you know I know exactly where you are. You don't have to come back to me, and you don't have to argue with me and tell me what you think of the circumstance. I'm going to let you know early on. I know exactly how you feel, and I know exactly the nature of what I've asked you to give up is to you. Not only do I know he's your only son, but as you read further on, I also know he's whom you love. You don't have to come back to me and say, but God, don't you know? Yes, I know. But God, don't you understand? Yes, I understand. No, in this very moment, God says, I want you to take this person, this moment in time with you, the one who is your only and the one whom you love, and I want you to go to the land of Moriah, and I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. I'd add to that story in us, but has God asked you to give that much up? I doubt it. But are you willing? I don't know. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. It doesn't say anything in there about Abraham went to some friends and said, I really need you to pray with me about something really seeking God about this thing. It didn't say anything in there about, so Abraham went and fasted to make sure he heard from God. It didn't say anything in there about Abraham did this or did that. It said Abraham arose early in the morning. It tells me that Abraham obeyed immediately. It really tells me further without saying these exact words that Abraham knew the voice of his God. It tells me without reading too far in here, Abraham trusted in his God. It tells me in here without saying too much further that Abraham got all of his supply, all of his meaning from his God because he did get up the next morning. Well, it doesn't say next, but it got, he says it got up in the morning, morning early. He saddled his donkey. He took his He took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place in which God had told him. That's an interesting conversation. Son, I want you to go get some wood. That's a little worse than go get me a switch. I'm just saying. 
Go, go get some wood that I'm going to sacrifice you on. That's a little more painful than, is it big enough? Is it small enough? If I get too small a switch, you know, I got to go get another one, and they're going to hit me even more. Did you ever have to pick out a switch? Yeah? Aaron! I, I had to pick out a switch for a friend once. I'm the one that tore up the yard, but he's the one that let me. And so his dad's like, Jeff, go get a switch that I'm going to use on him. I'm like, He's like, no, he can take the punishment. He's the one that let you. I was like, holy cow. Anyway, moving right along. So we got all that, cut the wood, burnt offering, rose and went to the place in which God had told him. And on the third day, there's so much, by the way, so much Christology in here, so much pointing to God. Take your only son, take him up, and on the third day, just think about this for a minute. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. And when Abraham said to his young son, stay here with the donkey, and, and said to his young men, sorry, stay here with the donkey, and the boy will go over there and worship. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took it in his hand, took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son. And then he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But, but, very significant but right there. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. You see, if Abraham hadn't already gotten a habit of immediately responding to the voice of God, could he have potentially missed out on something that's about to happen? You see, we've got to get in a position to where we respond immediately to the voice of God because when we obey him to immediately surrender, we can obey him to immediately receive. If we don't know how to hear his voice to surrender, maybe we won't know how to hear his voice to receive. And in hearing his voice in the surrender opens the door to hear his voice to receive. We've got to get into a place of practicing hearing the voice of God and practicing doing the immediate. And he does work with us on little things so we can open the door for bigger things. Do you mean there's a place in which God is going to have me do even bigger things and bigger surrender? Yes. Why? Because he's going to pour out even bigger things and bigger blessings and bigger and bigger and more and more and greater things and greater things and greater things and bigger things. As I surrender more to him, he's going to be able to do more in my life. And as I pour out more of of the junk in my life that is hindering what he can do, the more then he's going to be able to pour even more into my life and and provide even more and, and pour out even greater blessings and do even greater in my life. But it does come from a life in a place of total surrender. And in that place of total surrender is where I really get total engagement with his 
voice and hear Abraham who is used to and has in a place of practicing hearing the voice as he's lifted his hand, as he's lifted his arm with that knife in his hand to be able to reach down and take that first initial jab to slaughter his son. His arm is up and God says, Abraham, through the angel, and Abraham says, here I am. And He says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes. I imagine a tear running down. And he looked and behold, behind him was a ram and it was caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. You see, his only son on the third day became something in place of something, do you see a picture of Jesus here? The ram pulled out, now placed on the altar. And in this moment, Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Is it a little chilly in here? Okay. The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. As it said today, on that mount of the Lord, it shall be Provided. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham. And a second time from heaven, he said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars in the heaven. Do you see? Here's where the abundance begins to be poured out through hearing and through sacrifice. And as the sand on the seashore and as your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Jumping into the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham even knew if I have to offer my son, he can raise him from the dead. So no matter what, he went to that mountain knowing by nature of who his God was because he knew him, that his God would provide. And by knowing the name of God, by relationship with God, he walked up that mountain in total trust. I ask you today, you trust God. One more? Let's do one more. Maybe. Maybe two. Another fun name. Jehovah. This is Sid Canoe. How's that one for a name? Jehovah our righteousness. Punch him. Jehovah our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6 says, Behold, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In these days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely as this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness or Jehovah When Jeremiah spoke this prophecy, the kingdom of Judah was about to fall. The land of Judah was full of idolatry, oppression, violence, and political revolution. 
The northern kingdom of Israel had gone into captivity a hundred years before, and Judah seemingly learned nothing from God's judgment upon them. It was under these conditions God gave this prophecy of Jehovah Sidkenu. This is the meaning of the word Sidkenu. The word Sidkenu is derived from Zedek, which means righteousness. Zedek is translated a hundred times or hundreds of times as right, righteous, righteousness, just, justify, or declared innocent. A simple definition of righteousness is doing what is right. How's that for simplifying the meaning of a word? This name speaks of the fact that God will always do what is right. He will always do what is right because He is righteous. Not in verb, but in noun. It is part of Him. It is His very makeup. It's not what He does, it's who He is. Exodus 9.27, then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned and the Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Psalm 129.4, the Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. God or Jehovah is the source of righteous. We are not the source of doing good. We are not capable. He is the source And he is himself perfect righteousness. Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 4. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect. Perfection is something we have a hard time understanding. We can't wrap our brain around it sometimes. But this God, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness. And without iniquity, just and upright is he. Isaiah 45, 21 says, Declare and present your case. Let them declare counsel together. Who told this long ago, who declared it of old, was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and Savior. There's none besides me. No one, no place, no other avenue to find righteousness. There is no one right but God. For example, or taking it further, man in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness. Romans 3.10 says it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Isaiah 64.6, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind, they take us away. The Bible makes it clear that righteousness is impossible to be attained by man alone. Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, by being born, by the very beginning of life, by the moment we took breath, we were born in sin. Since we are unrighteous, though, there's hope. It comes from God, and we need a pardon from God. Isaiah 61, 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with the priest, like a priest with a beauty headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So looking to Jesus, he is our Jehovah Sidkenu. 
Jesus is himself the righteous one. We talked about this several weeks ago. Hebrews 1, 8 through 9 says, But the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of the unrighteous, the scepter of unrighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have uprightness. Sorry, let me back up and get that right. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Jesus is made righteousness to us. 1 Corinthians 1.30 And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Looking over one more ch- uh, book to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. How? Through Him, in Him. Why? Because He who knew no sin became sin for us. What can we do? What could we not do? What we could not do, Jesus, the perfectly righteous one, did for us. Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Romans 5.19, Romans 5, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, talking about Adam, So by one man's obedience, the many were made righteous, talking about Jesus. Our new man is created by Jehovah, Jesus, in righteousness. Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Romans 3.26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how do we get that? By having faith in Jesus. What a wonderful name that God has used to describe himself. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the righteous God who has provided for our acceptance before him through the cleansing of the blood of the Lamb. He wraps us in his righteousness through Jesus Christ, the righteous one. How cool is that? What great promises we have. Great promises we have just because of his name. How they point to Jesus. How we discover so many things. This awesome person, Jehovah Rophi, our healer. We all need healing physically and spiritually. Jehovah Jireh, provision shall be seen, shall be seen but that provision comes from sacrifice. Jehovah Sidkenu our righteousness that is only given to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts, but also in the area of support. If you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. 
wlmiamicom That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com and click on the Give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.